our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Hello and welcome to Girls That Invest, the platform that empowers millennials through financial literacy. You're joined today by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are extremely passionate about all things investing and personal finance. Hey, Sonia. Hi, Sim. How are we going today? I'm going well. How are you? I'm dead tired, (laughs) but uh, we've got five coffees and today we're talking about mistakes. Wait, let, let's just backtrack. Did you say five coffees? You know what? Yes, I did say five coffees and I don't need anyone to judge me, but we're alive and well. And as you know, Sim, like I think I'm immune to coffees anyway, so it doesn't even matter. I feel like that's what someone says when they have like a problem. We're not going there. Back to, you know, us making mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back to us making mistakes. So today we are talking about unlearning money habits and just dissecting the bad money habits, bad money mistakes that me and Sonia have made in our 20s. Disclaimer, we are still in our 20s and without a doubt there will still be things that we might not do as well as we would like to when we look back on them. But I think there is such a power in looking back at what you've done and not like putting your head in the sand, so to speak, and being like, oh my God, like, why did I do that? So when it comes to money mistakes, I feel like me and Sonia have a lot to talk about. Yeah, we do. And you know, at the ripe old age of 24, you'd be shocked at how many mistakes I've already made. And as Sim said, we're going to continue to make mistakes, but I think that's the power of like hindsight. Hindsight is twenty twenty, And I think When it comes to being a financial podcast, like, yes, we are going to talk about things we can do. And yes, we're going to talk about things that do work. But like, what is a finance podcast without throwing in some straight up, just raw, honest facts about things we haven't done really well? Because everyone's going to benefit from sort of analyzing what they've done wrong as well and all just learning what we can do better. When it comes to the money habits that we have formed over the years they're never just like oh like I did this wrong or I did that wrong it's always like an accumulation of your past experiences your past information and to really unlearn habits you kind of have to find where they come from some people might call this like a money story or a money 
you know, narrative, which makes up like your beliefs, your thoughts and your feelings of money and then affects your financial behaviors. So I think a lot of what we want to talk about today isn't just going to be like, I did this and now I've learned not to. It's like, I used to think this because of that. And now I've learned better and just really, I guess, getting into the nitty gritty of it. So to start us off with, I guess, probably the mistake that I had made for a very long time. And I don't feel too bad about this one because I think this is quite common or at least common among people that I have talked to about this. It's the idea of, I guess not even the idea, just the fear of credit cards. And I feel like this really just stems from my first interactions with credit cards. Like I remember when I was younger, I just thought they were just like really bad and that credit cards were something that you would have if you were really bad with your money or you just like you know, couldn't handle it very well. So I remember once seeing or hearing my parents talk about their credit card and I was like, mum and dad, like, how could you be so irresponsible? And they were like, what do you mean? And they kind of sat me down and explained, like, no, it's not just like used, like willy-nilly credit cards can be like really good and you can use them in ways that are beneficial for you. For example, the idea of like points or cashback. So basically, rather than spending the money that you usually spend, and we'll probably do like a whole episode on credit cards later, but just like make it real simple, like rather than spending the money you usually spend on your normal card, you just put it all on your credit card and pay it off as soon as you can or as you go. And so you're just using the money you have, so to speak, but then you get all the rewards regardless. So it's like you don't spend anymore, quote unquote, but then you're also getting like air points or cashback or flybys points. Mm. To kind of point to what you were saying before about dissecting where does this come from? Like, where does this fear from credit cards come from? I think when we were having a chat about this earlier, it really comes from the TV shows we watch and the movies that we see. Like, when I think credit cards, I think Confessions of a Shopaholic and Isla Fisher pulling out, like, 20 cards trying to pay for this green scarf, and then she runs home and there's, like, credit cards in her freezer like in box of ice and she's just trying to get this credit card to to buy stuff that she doesn't really need to be honest with you yeah I feel like that's also been my experience of the exposure of it and therefore like my reasoning behind why it's like portrayed as like this bad thing that I shouldn't have and if I have it like I should almost be ashamed of it which is such a weird way of seeing a credit card because all it is I guess at the end of the day is a financial product or a financial tool. It's not that something that's good or bad. And yet, it's always been like movies and stuff that have just been like, oh, like, I'll just pop this on dad's credit card or like, look at me, like, you know, this is an emergency. This like scarf that I need is my like emergency that dad said I can spend the money on. And it's just, it's never portrayed, I guess, healthy habits. And so I was looking over my financials and over the last, I want to say three to four years, I have been using, so I have like my personal debit card, that's like money I earn and money I spend for myself. And then I've got a separate debit card for my business expenses and my business income and so forth. I could have used a business credit card and I could have earned 
airplane's dollars on it. I was looking at exactly how much I spent over three years. It is like sickening how much I've missed out on. I put $90,000 in expenses on a debit card and I could have used a business credit card and that could have occurred so many airpoints. I could have been flying on a free trip to like India right now for over a grand. That could have been me. But you know how much I earned from my debit card expenses? Nothing. A total of zero dollars, no free trip, not even like a cup of coffee. So anyway, we've established that credit cards are not the devil in the way that we thought they were. In fact, they are actually very handy. And if you are very strict with yourself and very stringent, you can actually get more out of it rather than, you know, have it sort of be this very scary bad thing that you shouldn't be doing that's my I guess like first bad I wouldn't even say bad money habit just like first money habit that I had that I definitely could have done better but I mean that's me I want to hear yours my bad money habit and I blame Parks and Rec for this treating yourself oh my god I was gonna blame Parks and Rec for this too treat yourself what am I treating myself for (laughs) honestly just this idea that no matter what I do big or small me going into uni me going and finishing something that I'm actually obligated to do I feel like for the smallest task that I accomplish I want to reward myself or I wanted to reward myself should I say let's use past tense we're grown now I wanted to reward myself with purchasing something, you know, whether that be something small, like a top from Glassons or ordering a candle, you know, just every time something good or bad happened, I'd associate it with buying something to make myself feel better or rewarding myself, which is, you know, treating yourself. I love that you mentioned Parks and Rec because that is where it came from for me and like I don't know if you remember my Facebook cover photo like the one that you have on your banner and it was just treat yourself it was like the like scene that ruined my life no I'm joking it was the scene from Parks and Rec that was like you know do you remember and for those that like don't know what we're talking about in the TV show Parks and Rec very underrated may I add They had the scene where it was just like a day with two of the characters and they were like, what's today? And they were like, treat yourself day. And it was just like pamper themselves. They spend luxury items on themselves. They go to the spas. And like, that's the thing. It was a day. They did it for a day, maybe once a year. And then they moved on. And we were like, treat yourself, but for every slight inconvenience. Mm. Do you know what they were doing? They were showing standoff Ben, who's really good with his money, who tracks his money to the cent. Like, he should have fun. He should live a little, you know, treat yourself. That's what he was showing them. And now we're Ben. I just feel like, yeah, sure, it feels good to buy expensive things, whether that is, you know, clothes, electronics, things that you don't really need. But that stuff really adds up fast and I feel like the shopping high that only lasts for a certain amount of time until you feel guilty or the high goes down and then you're like oh 
what's the next thing I can order so I can, you know, get those endorphins when I get a package. I really wanted to add in here because she's become one of my favorite YouTubers, Kelly Stamps on YouTube. She did this video on millennial money and she talks about treating yourself and it's so funny. She's like, she's like, we did not go to war. Why are you treating yourself? And I was just like, that is so true. Why am I treating myself? It just puts it in perspective. But in like saying that, I think it's important for me personally and like for everyone listening as well to understand that we're not trying to say, hey, like stop rewarding yourself. Like that's not what we're trying to achieve. It's more like, well, yes, we should reward ourselves, but like everything else in life, there should be a balance, right? You don't want to be rewarding yourself for every little thing you do. Like you turn up to the library at uni and you're like, I've honestly done God's work here. I'm going to treat myself. Then I've done one assignment. I'm going to treat myself. Then on the way home, I'm just going to pick up like something really cute for myself because I was studying all day and I deserve it. Like I feel like there is a limit and it's different for everyone, of course, but there should be sort of a limit as to like what is something you just in life have to do should do and don't need to reward yourself for with money money being the key word and what are things that are hard for you and rewarding you will be productive in the sense that you'll feel good about it and you'll want to keep doing it I think it's hard to or it's been a journey to get to this point where I'm not correlating every single emotion with money you know going back to what I said when I'm happy I wanted to spend money when I was sad I wanted to spend money I've really been trying to figure out ways that I can, I guess, reward myself without that monetary aspect. I mean, we were just talking about this earlier, like Mm. you come home, it's been a hard day, like what can you do to relax or fill your cup? For me, that was reading. I'm still working on building other habits. Like you said, like we were talking about this earlier, it's like, you know, if someone has a celebration like you buy them a gift if someone has something wrong going in their life you buy them a care package or you get them flowers if you're really happy or sad you do something with money to make yourself feel better and it's like if we just keep correlating our emotions with spending then that's just going to continue a cycle and if anything it's just going to get more and more embedded into our daily habits and daily routines But how do we unlearn that? You unlearn that by figuring out how you feel appreciated and how you show love and how other people in their life want to be shown love. I thought about this and I was like, how else would you show someone that you appreciate them? Well, there's this thing called the five love languages (laughs) and there's appreciation languages as well. And hey, if your love language is gifts, that's great. But there's also, you know, spending time with someone, words of affirmation, physical touch, acts of service. There's things that go beyond just spending money. And can I just add, like, even when it comes to giving gifts, they don't have to be gifts that you buy. You can make things, you know, like a a really good idea is just things that are little DIY packages like that honestly sometimes even means more to people like I know I value that more than someone buying me a a cute little package that's kind of you know ready-made almost Mm -hmm. 
unlearning this habit, you need to be extremely conscious of the fact that you're doing it. Because for a lot of people, it's just, it's reaction, it's what they do, it's habit. So unlearning it, it might take a little bit of time, but it also requires you to be very proactive. And when you are spending money, like noticing, like, hey, I'm sad, and then jumping on a website. Um, or I feel online so attacked right now, like past me. That's what I want to do. I, wa- I want to directly attack anyone that's listening to this. I'm so kidding. I'm so sorry. And this is with five coffees. It's with five coffees and two hours of sleep. I need you to get off my back. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone. And the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. I love you so much. Wrapping up that sort of idea, I guess the bottom line from what I'm gathering from what you're saying is that, yeah, we should like be able to treat ourselves and it should be something you can do, but I guess don't go overboard with it and... I guess, find other ways to supplement those emotional needs. I think another really important and like key thought process that I had was, and I remember this really particularly because this is something that happened with you. Like when I was talking to you, this is kind of how it formed. It's the idea that you shouldn't start thinking about money until you have like your first full-time job. Because a little bit of background, like you obviously started working in the workforce a lot earlier than I did. And I remember you being like, hey, like I'm just about to start work and my brother has like given me all these like financial books to read and resources. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. I can't wait to start working and then do the same thing. Like it wasn't me being like, oh, that's awesome. Like I might be a few years away from graduating, but let's start learning as well at the same time. I was like, that's something I'll do then because three years away is too far away for me to learn these things. Is that what you experienced as well? I think I got kind of lucky having an older brother that was already so like financially diverse because I remember when I was 18, you know, he did give me rich dad, poor dad. And then that's when my interest of personal finance, you know, really started. But I didn't really start thinking about it properly or taking too much of an interest until I did get my first job, my first proper job. Why do you think that was? Oh, man, 
I think it was just the mindset of everyone around me, to be honest. Like, we were students. The only thing that I was getting at that stage was, like, living costs. And you'd have to pay, you have to pay living costs back anyway. But until I had the job and, like, something I wanted to save up for. And just for those that don't know what living costs are in New Zealand, they're basically, like, a little government support package that you get every week, just an allowance to help you live and fund studying when you're not you know in a position to work full-time that's a really good point like I think we all kind of see money as like if you don't have a lot of it which I guess also makes sense like if you don't have a lot of it it's hard to be like let's allocate money because like who in their right mind at that age is going to be like yes let me allocate five days a week for my investments or my savings like it's just not something you really give much thought to but in saying that had you gone back to the past do you think there's any benefit of like learning these things before you started working yeah 100 percent. because the benefit would be that you can start developing I guess quote-unquote good financial habits mm. before you get into a position where you get a whole lot of money that you're not used to what I mean by that is is that you can track what you spend you can resist the urge to impulse buy you can look into how to save and what savings goals look like to you planning what you're going to do with your money because if you don't know how to manage a hundred dollars you don't know how you're not going to know how to manage a thousand dollars you don't know how to manage a thousand dollars you're not going to know how to manage ten thousand dollars financial literacy is not you having more money and like having more money to play with it's about managing the money that you do bring in I would agree and like I would agree now maybe five six years ago I'd have been like no like financial literacy is me having lots of money and just like making money from money and like that's what it is like it's just growing my wealth and there is definitely an aspect to that to it but completely agree like it is the small habits you make and I know we're still like in our earlier parts of our 20s but like the position I would be in now had I known what I know now would be drastically different or at least in terms of financial discipline like a habit takes about 65 days of consistently doing it every day to become a habit 65 I thought it was like 21 maybe a good habit maybe like a <laughs> solid habit <laughs> we're learning things together team and if you think about it like you're not gonna wake up one day in your first job earning I don't know 40 50 60 thousand dollars and being like cool I've got this all sorted like on my first day I'm going to set up my bank accounts properly I'm going to learn how to say no to things that I don't need and know exactly where my money is going properly like these are little things that you can start doing now I like to think of your financial literacy or your financial health as being something that you need a solid foundation for to then build on top of it and those foundations don't have to come when you're earning bank they come from as soon as you can really I agree 100% I don't like to talk about this often but you know what what's a financial podcast without airing my dirty laundry for the world to hear right like this is what we're here for Okay, like I say all this stuff, but like as you'll come to know, Sonia, like I'm so dramatic and so it's really not that bad, but this is probably the thing I am most ashamed about and I'm just so glad that it's not something that's like permanently on my credit score. 
there's two things. Let's like break it into digestible chunks. So number one, I used to go to uni, right? And my uni had no student parking because they were like, you know what? $9,000, $10,000 a year in fees is just like nothing to us. So we would have no parking. It would be in the city center of Auckland. And what I would do is I would drive to uni every day because it was easier for me. But there was no parking and the parking that was there was like, it was like $16 a day, one six a day for parking. And I was there like eight to five. So I had to be there for all that time. What I would do is I found that if you didn't pay for parking and you got a fine, the fine would be $12. So hear me out. My thought process, <laughs> Sonia is rolling her eyes at me. My thought process was I could either pay $16 every single day like a loser or I could not pay for parking and on the days that I did get fined it would still be cheaper than paying for parking because I wouldn't get fined every day. Joe, do you want to know my honest opinion? No, I'm scared. You're a loser in both sides. <laughs> but one of me is a little bit well off. So anyway, moving on. I would incur, you know, I, I want to say maybe... Tickets like once a week, maybe twice a week. That's not the worst part. So then I would get these fines and I would kind of like, I would just, because you get a physical ticket every single time and I would just be rolling in tickets, you know, like I'd, <laughs> I'd just keep them in my laptop bag. Like I'd come to my car like, oh, yep, here's another ticket. Let's put it in my laptop bag. And I would get so many that I would forget to pay them all off and then I would get creditor letters like those you know debt collectors like Baycorp have you heard of Baycorp I have Baycorp if you are hearing this I am so sorry for the trouble I have caused you like there would be letters every couple of months coming to my house just being like hey like does someone call live here she's got a $12 fine she needs to pay it the fact that they follow up so aggressively over a $12 fine. It wasn't even aggressive. It was just like, hey, you owe the council money. It sounds aggressive to me. It got so bad. And and then I'd be like, oh, like I got the letter. Like I wouldn't purposely not pay for them. I'd be like, oh, okay, like I've got this letter. I'll just pay for it now. And I'd do it. Once I forgot a couple of times because I thought I paid for it and I didn't, this letter was, it was, it didn't even have a header, didn't have a footer. I'm not joking, Sonia. It was like size 30 font, like the size of like <laughs> my palm or something ridiculous. And it was like, do you know where Simran Court is? And then it was like, please contact debt collectors. Like, I think the idea was like, if someone lived at the place I was living and saw this, they could like help the debt collectors out and be like, yeah, she like lives here. Um, do you want me to like send her in? Like, <laughs> it was so good. We've just had it up in my house because it just looked a little bit ridiculous. Like, and I, looking back, like it's so dumb. Like it's so dumb. Why not just pay the fine? Like, why be like, oh, like, that's something I'll do later? It's not cute. It's just financially messy. Like that's probably the best way I could put it. It was just messy and I didn't need to do it. And I'm just really glad that that's not something that stayed on my credit score because that would be a solid zero right now. All for uni parking, eh? I just didn't want to bust it. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, this is before coronavirus. Like, Yeah, so I think that is my deepest, darkest secret that 
I am airing to the world and I hope that you feel less bad about your money mistakes. Moral of the story here is is that pay your fines. Like, just pay pay your bills straight away. Like, you will forget. And you will get a letter saying, does Sonia live here? Capital letter, 30 times font. Like, what were they going to do next? Like, if I miss that, they would come to my house. Look, I just feel like parking warnings need to calm down. Like, I get everyone's just trying to do their job. But then I just feel like sometimes they just want to go on a little bit of a power trip. Like, we're just trying to live our life, you know? On one hand, it's like literally their job though and on the other hand it's a choice <laughs> they could turn a blind eye every now and again look i pay you Bro, how often were you there at how uni? often were you there <laughs> yeah at uni every day they give the same ticket to the same number plate they don't care <laughs> they would see this blue swift and they were like oh frick she's back Hasn't learned her lesson no easy ticket for the day job done <laughs> but yeah so ignoring your bills don't do it. Learn from us. Uh, I'll do it later. Like a little bit of procrastination and then just anxiety and then just turning into like burying my head in sand, so to speak, and just not wanting to deal with it and just being like, oh, this is a little bit of like a messy financial situation. If I just forget about it, it doesn't exist. And I think this is very common with debt in general. I've never had debt outside of the fines upon fines upon fines from my parking touch wood but I think from what I've heard from people that have occurred quite a bit of debt it is really a case of I feel ashamed about this thing that I've got and I'm just gonna push it away until it rears its ugly head and I have to be like really confronted with it and I think that's hard so I think we've dived well and deep into the worst, most embarrassing money mistake that I've made. So I'm pretty happy to move on from this. So I guess we've kind of covered a few things that we've done poorly. One being just, you know, the idea that credit cards are things that we should like avoid and are things that are bad and therefore not even giving them the time of day. Because for some people, not everyone, but some people, they definitely have more pros and cons. We also touched on the whole idea of self-care. Yeah, and how treating yourself is probably not a good idea to do every single day or with every single emotion that you feel. And, of course, the idea of leaving learning about financial literacy and leaving learning about, you know, how to handle your money really well until you start making lots of money because as Sonia said so well and I've seen this in so many places the idea of if you can't manage ten dollars how are you going to manage ten thousand a hundred thousand and lastly we talked about ignoring your bills (laughs) seems like squirming look at the end of the day we can sit here and we can talk about our mistakes but we've learned from them definitely we're gonna grow and continue to handle our money better as well if there's one thing you can walk away from it's maybe just spending a moment to be like what's something that i've done in the past or something that i'm currently doing that i know i shouldn't be or that i know i could you know slowly but surely change out of that my future self is going to thank me for because at the end of the day like future sim and future sonia like we want them to live 
happy, fulfilling lives. We want them to make smart choices and we want to set them up for a future that they deserve. But if we're doing things right now that are detrimental to them, we're only harming ourselves, right? Think that thing, like do something that your future self will thank you for, whether that is doing your workout, handling your money better, not going out. Anyways, I feel like this has been a good yarn, a good just conversation that I hope just sort of sparks up the ability for people to have these conversations within their friend groups. And I know we've said this before, but that really is one of our key outcomes that we hope will be achieved through this podcast, like just us talking about money that we hope will get people to talk about money within their own groups because that's how we all get better right like we share we learn we look at our mistakes we look at our friends mistakes and things just get better from there so anyway before we go of course our disclaimer girls that invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs we are not financial advisors the advice from girls that invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investing or financial decision. Advice from girls that invest is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. All right. See you in the next one, team. See you.